Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. And so I wanted to uh, share with you a, a, a story of, of self-deprecation, <laughs> just to let you feel better about yourself, all right? Just so that you, you feel like, hey, this guy, this, this pastor that gets up there, he is a real human being, and he is not perfect by any means. And so, so on Monday of this past week, I, I was supposed to go to a funeral, and this is a funeral of the a father of a young lady that I knew in youth ministry year, several years ago. And I've known her for a long time. I did her wedding and been in her life for a long time. So her father's funeral uh, was scheduled for Monday. At, well, the visitation was at 1, funeral was at 2. And um, I, so I got out my phone and I put in um, the, the, the calendar thing. And I said, all right, it's 1 o'clock, i got to be there. Uh, I put in the name of the um, funeral home, and it came up. I clicked that in, set it up. I knew I needed to leave about an hour beforehand to get there on time. And I thought, well, while I'm on my way there, I can listen to the whole book of Hebrews. um, And I can just read and study, not read, but I can study in in, in my head, book of Hebrews all the way there. It was awesome. It was a great time. I was already into the book of James when I got to my destination. When I got to my destination, I realized there's nobody here. That's odd. This is the right funeral home, at least the right name. But I realized at that particular point, there's a huge difference between Maysville and Maryville. My wife thinks it's funny. <laughs> Maysville and Maryville, they're different towns. Spelled different, close. There's a ville there. There's some Mary and there's some M&A there, but, there, but that's other than that. There's no, it's not the same. Same funeral home company, different location. So then I was like, well, great. Now what? So I've clicked in Marysville. I could have got to the funeral right on time at 2 p.m. Luckily, I wasn't preaching at the funeral. I was just going to attend. And so I was like, you know what? Literally, I took a picture of myself all dressed up. And no place to go. <laughs> what am I going to do now? It's like, I could get there, but then I couldn't get back to Weston in time to pick up my granddaughter to take her to dance class. And I had a date with my granddaughter, and I wasn't going to break that. And so I'm like, I, don't, I wouldn't have time anyway. So I figured, oh well. So I ended up going to visit um, Stephanie's dad in the uh, nursing home in Gower. Thought that was, at least I can get, accomplish something on the way home. And that was a great visit. I'm glad, glad I was able to do that. But obviously, I am not perfect. I, I made a mistake. This is the first time probably in all the years of ministry I did something that boneheaded. But um, what is the lesson from that? Probably lots of lessons, right? Like, have you ever felt like, this is even not even part of the sermon. This is extra. All right, I'll step off my rug again. This is extra for you today. Like, would you sometimes have been in your life where you think you were headed the right direction? I mean, you were so convinced like, and you, you felt good about it, you were listening to scripture, you are doing whatever, and you're just like, man, I know I'm going the right way. 
only to realize that when you got there, I shouldn't have went there. I shouldn't have, like, I, I, there's, in Scripture it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. Now, nobody died, except for my ego a little bit, and I had to apologize to this girl that I'm sorry I didn't make it to your dad's funeral, I'll try to make it up to you. You know, if you know me at all, you know how how much that hurts me, that I had to, to do that, but it is what it is. So there's probably all kinds of lessons that I could have learned from that particular, and maybe it'll come up in a sermon some other time. Oh, so no, I'm not perfect. Obviously, we know that's true. But here's the thing. I love Jesus. I mean, I love thinking about Jesus. I love talking to Jesus. I love um, following him as much as I can um, in order to be like him. Like, I guess there's another illustration. Like, Jesus is the best you know, GPS coordinates, following, like going towards Jesus is the best thing you could possibly do. Um, I love talking to other people about Jesus. Now, I am not, uh, I don't like beat people up with it, and I don't like, I'm not obnoxious about it, but I like looking for opportunities to talk to other people about Jesus. If you've ever seen my signature, you'll maybe see the Acts 20, 24, and it says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me, My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's, I love doing that. I love hearing, I love hearing other people um, talk about how they love Jesus and how they've come to know Jesus, how, how Jesus has impacted their life, how Jesus has become a part of their story. I love hearing those stories. I love reading about Jesus. And so, the, the other day I, I sat down with someone and we were talking about Jesus. We were talking about this community Bible experience we've been doing. And if you're new to our church, you're just a guest or a visitor, you, you wonder maybe what that is. But this community Bible experience is where we've been reading the New Testament. And we are now um, week six in an eight-week process of reading through the whole New Testament and obviously, the whole New Testament, the whole Bible, obviously, but, but especially the New Testament, is about Jesus. It points to Jesus and the work that Jesus has done on the earth. And we hear his stories. We see it in the Gospel of Mark. If you read your reading this week, you read the Gospel of Mark, and you saw Jesus doing incredible things. And so if you're like, well, I'm a little behind in the game. If, I, if you want to jump in, start reading. You start reading this week. You read First and Second Peter, the book of Jude, and the Gospel of John. And so if you do that this week, then you'll be ready for next Sunday when we get together to talk about what it is we've learned through that scripture. So we, I've had some incredible testimonies from multiple people. One that I had uh, coffee with earlier this week. We had lunch, actually, but he was talking about how this has been such a rich experience for, for him. Like, he's read the Bible before. Matter of fact, he was actually reading through the Old Testament, and he's like, well, what am I going to do? Should I do both? And he said, I'm just going to go ahead and do both. And learning um, from the New Testament and the Old Testament at the same time has been really powerful for him. And so I wish we had time to, to talk a little bit more about some of the testimonies and the stories that have come out of reading about. Hopefully, if you've been doing this, you've been impacted by it somehow, some way. 
Um, I know for me, it's been good for me. Even when I couldn't read it and I could just listen to it, it's been good for me to just immerse myself in God's Word. It's, it has a transforming power to it. So, Trish, go ahead and go up there. So I ran across this video. I, I don't know, you might have noticed. I like, I like videos. I like the, the impact that they have sometimes, the things they can teach us. We're visual people. We're audio, we're, we love to see things with our eyes. So I ran across this video. I'm going to set it up for you real quick. Um, so this video is a testimony from this guy. His name is Bishop Ron Archer. And from the beginning, you'll quickly understand that he, his mom was a prostitute and she got pregnant. And that's not good for business. And this is just a part of his story. The pimp said, you can't make any money having a baby in the oven. We have got to kill this baby. They kicked her in the stomach. They fed her alcohol. They gave her drugs. They took a hanger and stabbed the baby over and over again. But the baby would not die. The baby was born two months premature with no pancreas, a learning disability, a bladder too small, unable to function, a severe stutterer. We call it a trick baby nobody wants the baby no hope no future kill it was the word that baby was me I'm the lowest of the low I come from the guttermost I come from a hellish condition and so when I would go to school, I couldn't talk. I stuttered so severely from the trauma. My mother had a madam who hated men. Her name was Dolores, and she was a sadist. And when she would watch me, she would take a broomstick and stick it in a place where no boy should have any object in his body. And when you are tortured like that, you learn four things. Don't talk. Don't trust. Don't feel and pretend nothing is happening. And by age 10, I had had enough. I want it to die. And in my school, they put me in a boiler room with other kids who were dysfunctional like me, where we would finger paint all day long. And yet there was a teacher, thank God for her, who had a Gideon Bible. And she came to my school, and she saw kids like me as her mission field. And she would give me this Gideon Bible and read to me stories of dysfunctional characters who God used. She would say to me, Ronaldo, God uses greatly those who have been wounded very deeply. He will turn your pain into power, your wounds into wisdom. She had me read the story of Moses, who was also a stutterer. I began to understand that God did love a trick baby, even as low as I was. There was hope for me and possibility. And when a child begins to understand the love of God and the power of his word and the possibilities, it changes everything. How can a young man keep his way clean by taking heed according to your word? Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I began to memorize the Bible, that Gideon Bible, reading 2,000 scriptures. And when you put that kind of word in a life, 
Something begins to happen. My stuttering went away. I stopped wetting the bed. I stood tall. I became valedictorian, became a pastor and priest until everybody in my family got saved. Why? Because somebody placed a Gideon Bible in a woman's hand that changed a life forever. Yes, I was born a trick baby, but the trick was on the devil. <laughs> you can tell why I got a little fired up about this video. And the power of God's word, the transforming power. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Like it actually, it actually works. <laughs> Second Timothy, we've already read that during our reading. It says that all scripture is God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We were reminded this week, if you read in Hebrews, that God's word is powerful and is sharp. It says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Which is probably the number one reason why someone doesn't want to read the Bible. Because it's going to get into your business. It's going to open up some stuff. It's going to cause you to think it's going gonna, it's gonna to correct you in some areas where you, you needed some correction. It's, but you know what? But it's also going to comfort you in some areas where you need some comfort. It, it's going to guide us. It's, it's, uh, Trish, send me, throw me that thing down there. That light. There we go. Yeah. It's funny. I brought this because someone, um, someone left this at, my, at the fireside chat. It was a young boy. And, uh, like, it's a light. <laughs> God's word is a light into your path, right? It leads us and guides us. When things get dark, you just turn on the light of his word and it leads us. I wasn't even meaning to use it. I was going to give it to the boy. Is he here today? Are the hellers here? I don't think they were, they don't think they were here. Um, but if it got dark in here, I could use it like this. Maybe help me to see a little bit better. But God's word is a lamp, right? Bless you. This week, I was reminded by God's word, and this was as I was driving down the road, headed to Maysville, um, that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's better than what? He's better than anything. <laughs> He's better than the whole world. In Mark chapter 8, if you read in, in your Bible, you realize that you can't gain anything. For losing your soul. Like, there's nothing worth losing your soul for. There's nothing in the world that could replace what it is that Jesus offers us. Jesus is better. So turn to the book of Hebrews. And so, I was wrestling a little bit this morning. I was just thinking, you know, I, like, there's so much, there's so much to cover. This is, it's a lot. So, uh, I don't want it to be like drinking from a fire hydrant this week. We'll try to zero in a little bit here. But so you have this book of Hebrews, and so the author is writing this book to a group of Jewish Christians. So it's people who were part of the Jewish faith, that they were following Judaism, the law, and then they meet Jesus. And they find this newfound freedom 
passion for life and for love, and they see this example of a, of a Savior who's, who's, who, or this rabbi who's different than any rabbi they've ever met before, and he's, and he's just wholly different. And they were starting to face persecution because of their beliefs. They were starting to, to live this passionate life for Jesus, and people were pushing against it. Some, maybe their own people who, were, who had yet to given their lives to Jesus, and they were telling them, that they shouldn't live that way, or you need to do this, you need to go back to the old ways, and whatever it is. They were just struggling with persecution, and so there was a temptation for them to abandon this new faith and just go back to the old way. Maybe the same kind of temptation that we face at times in our own life, to say, you know what, man, is it really worth it? Man, as soon as I started following Jesus, life got harder. I started facing things more difficult than I've ever faced before. I don't understand. I thought it was supposed to get easier. I thought it was supposed to be rainbows and clouds and, you know, and streets of gold and all those things. <laughs> and it's like, you know, maybe it's just easier just to go back. It's been a theme of the Bible. The people were like, they got out of slavery in Egypt. And they're like, maybe it's just better to go back to slavery because things aren't that easy now. And so this writer is trying to to encourage them to not go back, <laughs> to open their eyes and realize that this Jesus they, they have found is a better way of life. He's greater. So the writer exhorts them to hold fast to their confession as Christ as Savior. We talked about the great confession last week. And the theme of this book would be the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And my, my wife actually wrote, and this is probably a prophetic word, she wrote in the bulletin, Jesus is enough. Hebrews could be called the book of better things. The book of better things. And it's an exhortation to us to stir us into action. Right? Yeah, to stir us into action. To not just drink it all in and then to walk away, but it's like to take it in and then go give it out. Like stir us into action. Jesus es mejor is the Spanish rendition of Jesus is better. Jesus is major. I like that word. It's like he's just better than anything that we could possibly imagine. Do you know that in, in uh, the book of Hebrews, look at the very first, first um, chapter, first verse. It says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom we, He made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Underline that in your Bible, if you have your Bible with you. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven and so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Jesus is greater. He is better than the angels. And we love angels. Angels are awesome. I love the powerful ones with swords of fire. <laughs> you know, I love to think about angels 
surrounding my home or surrounding my, my daughter as she's driving down the road, just protecting. That's the kind of angels I'm thinking of, like the powerful ones that are scared people. When you see them, they have to tell you not to be afraid, those kind of angels. And it actually says later on in Hebrews that angels are ministering spirit, spirits. They are to those to serve those who believe. And so I believe angels are real, but I don't worship them. I don't, because Jesus is better than them. He's more powerful than them. Thinks the universe was created through Jesus, not through angels. Angels are created beings. Jesus is just better. This was pretty controversial when the writer of the Hebrews wrote this. Do you know that Jesus was found to be of greater honor than Moses? Jesus is better than Moses. <laughs> I mean, Moses was a great leader. But Jesus was better. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. It says, Therefore, holy brothers who share in this heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on who? Jesus. He's the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. And just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself, that makes sense, right? The one who built it. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold to our courage and the hope of which we boast. You know, Moses wrote, or was, a, was given credit for writing the first five books of the Old Testament. He, was, he wrote the Torah, the way to live, and we know that Jesus was called the way to live. Jesus is just better. You know, Jesus was also considered to be a high priest. Now, the priest would be someone that would go and represent the people before the Lord. I don't consider myself a high priest. <laughs> I consider myself a pastor and a shepherd who goes before the sheep and goes before the Father on your behalf. But Jesus is better than any high priest that ever existed. And listen to this in chapter 4, verse 15. Well, actually, was it earlier than that? Like starting at 14, it says... Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. And one of the reasons why he's able to do that is because he was created and given flesh. It said he, was, had, he, is, he had to be made like his brothers. He had to be like us in order to, to understand and to walk through uh, this life that we walk through. He, he was tempted in, in every way that we've ever been tempted. There's never been a way that you've been tempted that Jesus can't understand. 
He says he was tempted in every way, but without sin. He has provided a better way for us to get access to the Father. It says we can then uh, approach the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus has paved the way for us. He's made the way for us. Later on in uh, chapter 7, it talks about Jesus being a, and it talks about this a few different times, but especially in, in uh, chapter 7 where it talks about Jesus was the priest in the order of Melchizedek. Did anybody else read that and you get confused by that? Have you read that? Like, what, what, does, what does it mean? Who's Melchizedek? Melchizedek was an interesting character if you do any kind of study at all about him. In chapter 7, it says that this Melchizedek was a king of Salem, which interestingly enough later becomes Jerusalem, and priest of God Most High. It says he met Abraham returning from the, the, the defeat of the kings and blessed Abraham. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. And it says, just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Just think how great Melchizedek was. But compared to Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is better because Jesus offers us a better hope. And he gives us a way that we can draw near to God. Melchizedek, it was interesting because, you know, some would say, well, maybe uh, Melchizedek was a Christophany. You know, like a pre-incarnate version of Jesus. Like Jesus, before he was born into the earth, came and, and, came and um, made himself known to Abraham. It's just, it's just funny, some similarities, or not similarities, but some things that you look at when it says that Melchizedek came out and offered Abraham's men who are weary from battle, wine and bread. Isn't that interesting? You know, that when we think about communion, we think about what Jesus has done for, the, for us, we, we take the bread and we take the wine, we take juice that represents Jesus' body and his offering to us. Now, I don't know if that was really Jesus pre-incarnate or not, or if... But Melchizedek was a real character. He, he really existed. He was just a picture, or he was just someone pointing to Jesus who was a better hope. It says in, uh, later on in Hebrews that Jesus is a guarantee of a better covenant because this covenant is founded on better promises. All right, so think about the old covenant. The old covenant was... Um, was this agreement between God and man. There was a law. There was things to follow. There were um, sacrifices made. In, in, in Hebrews, it talks about that uh, the blood of bulls and goats had no power to forgive you of sin. But this new covenant came with a different kind of blood, and that was with the blood of Jesus. Do you know that Jesus' blood is better? <laughs> like Jesus' blood has the power to forgive you of sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It has the power to cleanse your conscience. 
It's just more than just being sprinkled on the outside. It cleanses you from the inside. It's a beautiful, powerful picture. And, if you just, and we don't have time to, to dig all the way into all that this means. But if you read the book of Hebrews, read it with this thought that Jesus is better, is a better way to live. He's given us um, access. As a high priest, he gives us access into the presence of God. So I want to read this one more thing here. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. It says, such a high priest meets our need. Only, or it says, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart for, from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. Jesus, he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And isn't that good news? One time for all people. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. So what? So now what? What do we do with this? Look at, I'm sorry, there is one more thing. Look at Romans chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Just turn over a few more pages. So remember, he's, he's encouraging these people. He's telling them, don't give up. Focus on Jesus. Jesus is better. Don't go back to the old way. And in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, he encourages them to persevere. So he says, this is kind of like our marching orders as we walk away today. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, remember he gives us access to the presence of God, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. All right, so what's the first thing he's asking us to do? Or he's encouraging us to do? What is it? Draw near. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Right? If you're going to And think of a way to illustrate this. If you're going to draw near to someone, you're going to approach someone, how do you want them to receive you? How do you want them to receive you? Like husbands and wives. If you go to draw near to your spouse, how do you want them to receive you? Huh? Like this, right? Like come. You know, as opposed to when you draw near to them, they're like, oh, but wait. There's some uh, certain things that have to happen, stipulations that have to happen here before you can draw near to me. 
But because what Christ has done for us, providing purification for our sin by shedding his blood, Jesus or the Father's arms are like this. And we can draw near to him. We can have access to the creator of the universe because of what Jesus has done. No other priest has ever been able to offer that to his people. No other priest could have walked out from the Holy of Holies and said, all right, it's done, it's finished, now you can have access to God all the time. No, no other priest other than Jesus could make that happen. So it says, draw near to God, and then it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. All right, so what's the next thing we need to do? Yeah, it's coming up. Don't get ahead of me, Dave. You're, you're, you've already done your homework. That's good. Let us, unhold, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. Okay? Okay, so whatever you walked in here with, whatever you walked in here, whatever it is that you're going through, you can hold unswervingly to the hope that you profess. For he who promised is faithful. You think Tony and Casey, as they were going through that stuff, there was ever some, some doubts and questions and wondering why? Why are we going through this? You know, this is hard. This doesn't make sense. But holding unswervingly to the hope that they had, to the faith that they believe in, that God was going to deliver them through it. Do you believe that what it is, where you are right now, this is the end of the story for you? No. I hope not. I hope you don't believe so. You know, even in even this reality, because of we're in Christ, if we have Christ and we have that hope that goes with that, even if we were to die today, the story just gets better for us. That's the hope that we profess, for he who promises faithful. All right, and then, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I've done some premarital counseling this past week, two different couples. And guys, I just need to, I need to, all the guys, I want you to look at me right now. Guys, we need cheerleaders, don't we? One cheerleader. If we're, we're married, we just need one cheerleader. But we need our wives to spur us on, don't we? We need some encouragement. We're, we're, we're just, I don't know, we just need encouragement. <laughs> we need to say, hey, well, good job. Way to go. You can do this. I believe in you. How many of you need to hear someone tell you they believe in you? Don't we all need to hear that? Yeah, you need to hear that. That's the best thing you can say. My wife to tell me, honey, I believe, I believe you can do this. I believe you got this. That doesn't mean she doesn't need to correct me when I'm wrong. She does pretty good at that too. But she needs to cheer me on. And we, but we all need that, right? Every single one of us, whether you're married or not. It doesn't mean, husband, you need to do that to your wife too. But if you're single, you need somebody to tell you they believe in you today. Right? And guess where that's going to come from? It's going to come from, uh, from one another. It's going to come from the church. When you walk into the church, you need someone to come alongside you and say, hey, you know what? Maybe right now, just like these two ladies right over here, look at each other and say, hey, I believe in you. All right, Mike, you're back there by yourself. I believe in you, man. I believe in you. That's why you're up here, because I believe in you. And the practical application is, is we need to spur one another, we need to encourage one another. And it says, 
Let us not give up meeting together. Right? It's some lettuce at the end of your, your meal here that we've served. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Already, they were having that issue in the early church. Where are the Johnsons? Man, I haven't seen the Johnsons for a while. I'm just making that name up. I haven't seen the Johnsons for a while. You know whose responsibility it is to check in on the Johnsons? It's not just me. Check in on them. Hey, I missed you. I haven't seen you for a while. Let us not give up on meeting together as some in the habit of doing. But it says, all right, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, it's, it's the, they capitalize day in, in the Bible, so it is speaking about a day <laughs> that is coming soon, a day that is approaching, but I just want to encourage you this day Let us encourage one another today. Because we have a Jesus that is better than anything the world is trying to peddle us or sell us or convince us of. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's a great high priest. He's gone before us. He's provided a way for us to have access to the Father. Let us be encouraged. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.